And, you know, it, it's just, it's kind of, I, I've been, I should have known, I shouldn't be surprised, but I have been surprised this year. Um, organizing Christmas things in a town. Um, Hingham's officially a market town, but it's more like a village. I used to think that people, you know, they, they knew the story of Christmas and and yet just chose to get caught up in Santa and the presents. But people don't realize that Christmas has got anything to do with Christ. It, it's actually, it's shocking. Christmas is a time... I mean, yeah, it's a time for the family to have a meal together and to swap presents. Um, it's time for the Christmas spirit. Uh, and, th- and that's why I, I, I really appreciate, and when I got the email from Nick saying, you know what, we're doing this theme called the incarnation. And ma- maybe we and other Christians should start referring to this time of year as the time of the incarnation. Um, because Christmas, even though it has Christ in it, and I think here's the moment where it really got me, is that um, there, there was a, the Hingham Historical Society, they organized every year, they used to do the, the carols on the green, and um, I, I'm now the only full-time pastor, church leader um, in Hingham of the three churches that are there. And so the Hingham Society has folded, and so the carols on the green has fallen to the church. And Santa's Grotto, they wanted, a, they came along and said, hey, we, we're going to do the, the carols this year. And I said, okay, but um, it's actually the churches that, that do the carol service because, after all, Christmas is a Christian thing. And you know they pulled out of it completely? Not, I mean, not because there's any like sort of bad relationships or, but it was like, you mean it's, it's not about jingle bells? It, it's weird, isn't it? C- can you put that first slide up for us, please? Um, Hudson, here we go. Is it on? Should be. Oh, yeah, oh, goodness me. Um, A chap asked a Christian, a sincere question, how is it possible that the painful death of one person can actually do away with all the sin of all mankind through all history? I mean, have you thought about that? How is it possible that that one person's painful death, no matter how painful, no matter how excruciatingly, that's where we get the word excruciating from, from the crucifix. How how can one person's excruciatingly painful death actually cancel out sins throughout history? It's quite a thought. And the person who was being asked the question, he answered, well, it depends who the person is. It depends who the person is. 
Because if that person, <laughs> at his very birth, was, it, was given gifts like gold, I mean, how many people are you giving a whole bunch of gold this year? Some are saying, oh, I hope it's gold, small and shiny. <laughs> but along with the gold, you're going to be giving frankincense to symbolize death and myrrh. You know, we, how many people at their birth have angels and, you know, people traveling from other parts of the world because they're following a star? How many people before the creation of the world were set apart to be the salvation for all mankind? Jesus. And yes, he was 100% and is 100% human. But at the same time, he is 100% divine. He is God in the flesh, the incarnation. And, and you know, the, the incredible thing is that this is not a postage stamp of a worship team where Mary plays the keyboards and Joseph <laughs> is on vocals. <laughs> And now that image is in your head. It's the new worship team. Jesus. God. I mean, this is absolutely mind-blowing. God in the flesh. As a baby, I mean, you know, he could have, like Mr. Bean, just kind of, you know, an, an adult. But no, as a baby, as a child, wow. Mm. The incarnation. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we thank you so much. Wow. Words really cannot convey the, the gratitude that we actually do have. Words fall short. But we thank you. We thank you. And we, we thank you not only for our salvation, but God, it's your plans which you have put into action not only for our lives, but for our world. You are fully aware of what's going on in Gaza, uh, in Israel, in Ukraine, right now, and other places where there is war. You are fully aware. And you are drawing men and women closer to yourself. And so, God, our, our prayers today are that you would help us to, to use these next moments to, to fully focus on hearing from you. Father, as I come to, to bring a, a message from what we have as the Bible, the, the inspired word of God, as, as I attempt 
to bring a message which is going to challenge and inspire. I pray, God, for an anointing of your Holy Spirit on me and also on all of us that are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Because of the incarnation, we need to realize that this world is not our home. You see, we're just passing through. And Jesus has come to tell us this. We're just passing through. And, and, and my simple message for today is because we are just on a journey through this world, travel light. Travel light. I'm sure you all know someone who does not know how to travel light. They, they put everything into their suitcase. Um, if you don't know someone, then you are probably that person. Um, you know, and it, it does take one or two mission trips to remote parts of the world, and you begin to realize, yeah, I need to take this medication just in case something goes wrong, and I need to take this just in case, and if you're traveling anywhere near Africa, well, then you're going to need batteries and <laughs> all these kind of things that you need to make sure just in case there's no electricity. And, you know, um, travel light because this world is not my home. And, and you know, it's not going on a summer holiday, but the things that we, that we pack into our our life journey we overpack distractions get distracted by so many things um, I heard statistics this is where math comes in handy that if a, a preteen now spends an average of two hours a day on social media. Two, that's the average, two hours. I, I think for that, anyway, the, an average of two hours a day. At the end of his life, do you know how much time they would have spent on social media? Seven years. Seven years of life. Wasted. You could have done so much better spending those seven years sleeping. <laughs> Genuinely. Um, refreshing yourself. Distractions. Distractions are one thing that we, we pile into our suitcase of life. Another thing is hurts. We carry around these hurts, don't we? We keep them in our baggage. And, and not only hurts, disappointments. The grumpy owl, <laughs> the disappointed owl, the depressed owl. He's not the grumpy owl. But, but, but we carry around things which we should not carry around. And, and today I want to talk not so much about those things, but something else. Stuff. Because it's that time of year, isn't it, when... when Stuff can be gathered. Stuff. 
And the catchphrase is, it's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. It is better to have less of the things that do not matter and more of the things that do matter. Get rid of the stuff that does not matter. When, um, when we moved from South Africa to the UK, I've got to admit, at first, it was so hard. It was so hard to get rid of yeah, people packing in boxes. You, you, it is hard to get rid of the stuff. But once you make the decision, and you know, now, now that we've been here six years, um, we, we even had an event something happened um the few things that we wanted to bring we we put in like we took i think we took a quarter of a container which you know put on a ship and send it over and unfortunately i mean what you know this is what happens so before it even got onto the ship it was broken into and you know i mean to give you one example um I packed all my cycling things in because I had my my bicycle um, and it was packed in a you know a bike bag to protect it and in that bag I put all the bicycle paraphernalia so my Garmin um, cycle computer watch which is more than a heart rate monitor it, it was actually the the speedometer of the bicycle I mean everything it had the cadence and speed and distance and it was all on the watch um, and all the other things so when it arrives there's the bicycle but not the watch um, sentimental things that my wife wanted to keep they were gone but you know what six years later here we are and our lives have not been changed by the fact that we don't have those things. It was all right. Um, perhaps the one thing that I did miss even more than the watch was I had, a, I had a smart kettle because coffee should not be made at more than 72 degrees because otherwise you burn the coffee. And so I had this kettle that you set the temperature and But you know what? Here we are. We're healthy. Loving God, serving God. The stuff doesn't matter. It's gone. It doesn't matter. But yet, getting rid of stuff is the complete opposite of what society is telling us. Society says, get more stuff. Get more stuff. You need more stuff. Especially now this time of year everyone's like come on how can i how can i con you to get more stuff is that any different from the devil saying you know what adam and eve i, I know you you've got everything that you could possibly think you want and let, let's be serious here i mean adam and eve had the best And the devil convinces them. The ultimate salesman. <laughs> There's one thing which would make your life complete. 
come on, there's just one. And we can have the best of the best. Got all the clothes that we need, everything, and yet you walk into the shop and it's, there's just one item that I just need. If I had that, no different. Get rid of the stuff. Solomon, he said this, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and a chasing after wind. Simple paraphrase, it's better to have one hand that's got good stuff in than two hands with a whole lot of stuff that is not going to help you. Get rid of the stuff because it is better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does matter. It's far better. I'm sure you know the story. Jesus talking to a rich young ruler, not just a rich young man. Many, many theologians would actually say that, that this man, the rich young ruler, he, he was intend, intended to be the person who would write more than half the New Testament. But he said no. And so God chose Paul. Plan B. Many people believe that. But we, we don't know. The point is, Paul wrote more than half the New Testament, and we're very grateful for that. But Jesus said to this one man, He said, you know, he had done everything. He'd followed all the all the commandments, he'd he'd he was a righteous man, he did everything. And Jesus looked through to his heart. And said, there's one thing that you lack. Get rid of your stuff. Because your stuff is distracting you. Get rid of your stuff. And then come and follow me. How did I get to that? I'm on the wrong passage for that one. Sorry. Jesus said, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Watch out. It's a, it's a clear, clear warning. Um, we're going to get to the, the, um, the rich young ruler. I'll get to that. Sorry. I jumped ahead of myself <laughs> to everyone on camera. Sorry. That, that happens when you're rushing to get to a meeting. If Jesus said, watch out, the context in which we say, watch out, well, it's, it's a child heading towards a, a fire, you know? Watch out. You're about to cross the road. Watch out. The warning that Jesus is giving you is just as urgent. Watch out. Be on your guard against greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions, which means that your life and my life does not consist of our stuff. As we realized when we moved country we're still here we don't have our stuff we're not defined by our stuff but the world is telling us the exact opposite and so here's the question what if all of our stuff is robbing us 
of the life that we actually want. Here we get to the rich young ruler. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. How hard is it to actually give things away? You know, I, I used to think as a young believer that tithing was, was quite fair because it's a percentage. But you know, it's easier to tithe when you have little because a tithe on a hundred pound is 10 pound. But a tithe on 5,000 pounds, well, that's 500 pounds. And in the mind, we don't think about how much is still in the bank. We think about how much we're putting in. So yes, it is fair. But to the human mind, no. This man walked away sad because he had great wealth. And to give all of that up, wow. We can't hold on to Jesus until we let go of our stuff. Makes sense, doesn't it? We don't know what idols we have until Jesus asks us to give them up. So when I first started cycling, um, I kind of worked my way up through various bicycles, started off with, you know, the supermarket special, the thing which weighs like 10 tons, and, and eventually worked my way up, um, and I, I, I got back in those days, it was the bike, it was a, a Cannondale aluminium frame, I mean, it, it, was, it was a piece of beauty. Um, and, and I looked after this bike and I, I would clean it, you know, after every ride. And so in, in the, the, the garage, at the end of the garage, there was enough space between the car. In South Africa, garages are used for cars. Um, and so there was enough space to, to put the car and there was still, you know, the space in front where, where I could, um, I put these brackets on and, and I mounted the bicycle on, on the brackets. And um, one of the deacons from the church who's, good friend of mine, Kyron, he, um, he comes to visit and you know, we're walking around showing him the house and this and that and he walks into the garage and he says, oh, is that where you put the idol? And he was making a joke, but the Holy Spirit wasn't. And I realized, okay, okay, one of the first things I need to give away, my bike. Three steps for traveling lighter. Throw out, buy less, give more. Would I make a good cap speaker? Here we go, there we go. Um, throw out, buy less, give more. Start with throw out. If what we have distracts us from what matters, get rid of it. If you're spending more time with that than with Jesus, get rid of it. Nothing is more important than Jesus. This time, Christmas, nothing 
is more important than making sure that you get the right presence for the right people and that no one is left out and no one gets upset. See, that's all about stuff, isn't it? Nothing's more important than Jesus. But we spend all our time fussing about the stuff. Reason I find it difficult, you might not fit into the same category, but the reason I find it difficult to throw stuff out is, well, there's two reasons, fear and sentiment. Fear because if I get rid of this, I know what's going to happen in two weeks' time. I'll need it. So I'm going to keep it. And I'm going to keep it. And I'm going to keep it. And a year has gone by and I still haven't used it, but I'm going to keep it. One of the, the biggest thing that I had in, in South Africa, my, my book collection, I had over, I had over four and a half thousand books um, in my little study. I mean, it was just books. It would have been great for doing Zoom in. It would have been wonderful. It's like. And after I'd actually just, it, it was so hard, but I eventually got to the point where I went into the church and in the coffee shop area, I just lay all the books out. And you know, it, it was, it was a, a big church. Um, coffee shop area, probably, yeah, even bigger than this. And we just, you know, tables. Um, I could not put all the books on the table. It was lit. I, I just had them out everywhere. Everywhere. Pulled the chairs out, books on the chairs, under the chairs. on. Ev- and I just said to the congregation, just come. Just come and take. And even with that, there were boxes that I, I just gave away um, to charities, whatever. So much stuff. So much stuff. What if I'm going to need that book? What, how can I get rid of that book? I think I eventually came across with five books um, and a huge collection on Kindle. Um, but, but you know, I, I, I think there's been maybe once or twice when I've needed one of the books and I've been able to just go onto Kindle and download it quickly. In fact, even better, Everand. Have you heard of Everand? Uh, used to be Scrib D, now it's Everand. Um, you, any book you want for a simple subscription, it's all there. Don't need the stuff. Fear. What if I need it? Um, I read somewhere that God is my provider. So, so do I need to worry about not having? Sentiment. That's a big one. Because I feel attached to this. But do you really need it? Is it, is it really that important to you? Well, if it is, keep it. Uh, you know, something which should be important to you, your, your wedding band, your wedding ring. Um, I, I battled with that because 
I've developed allergies and sensitive skin. I, I cannot, thanks to lockdown, I, I just, I cannot wear a, any kind of a ring. And it's kind of weird, but it's sort of, oh, I don't need that. I don't need this to tell me that I love my wife. It, it's just, in my case, I'm not saying for you, a wedding ring is hugely important. I've still got mine, but I have no idea where it is right now. <laughs> I've still got it. I haven't gotten rid of it. But sentiment is the point I'm trying to make. And that even if you don't have it, it's not going to change your life. God is our provider. So the simple thing is throw out. We need to get to the stage where we can throw stuff out. And buy less. Turn my heart towards your statutes, wrote David, and not towards selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things and preserve my life according to your word. Imagine if you prayed that before you walked into the shops, into the Christmas market. You walk in and you say, God, turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Maybe pray it more according to the message, which goes like this. God, give me a bent for your words of wisdom and not for piling up loot. Divert my eyes from toys and trinkets. Invigorate me on the pilgrim way. Divert my eyes from toys and trinkets. I need to pray that regularly. I love gadgets. And then give more. Throw out, buy less. Give more. 1 Timothy, Paul wrote to Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world. Now, again, confession. When I was a young believer and I read this, I just skipped over it. Because these are commands for rich people. I'm not rich. Newsflash. Every one of us in this room if we slept on a bed last night, if we had a roof over our head, if we had a meal this morning or last night, if we regularly have at least sort of two, three meals a day, bearing in mind some that are practicing intermittent fasting, you might be having only two meals a day or whatever that may be. But if you have a choice of what food to actually eat, you're rich because we fit into the top 10%, if not the top 5% of the world's population. I can never forget the moment of sitting with a group of, of church leaders in Bulawayo. And I spoke to them about being missionaries. And, and I said, you know, one of the, the big problems is, is the fact that People don't want to go on mission trips because they don't know what they're going to be asked to eat. And all these pastors burst out laughing. So I said, you know, what's wrong? How many, how many meals do you have in a, in a week, in a, uh, a day? How many meals do you have a day? And they burst out laughing again. And they're talking in, in the belly to one another. And I said, no, 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 hang on. You need to tell me what you say. Remember, we set our ground rules, no talking in languages that, 
you know, don't understand. So they said, oh, pastor, you, you don't understand. You, you asking how many, how many meals we have in a day. We count how many meals we have in a week. If we have one meal a week, we are satisfied. And I realized the truth of that when I hugged them goodbye. We are rich. We are rich. And I need to just put this as a sidebar. So are they. <laughs> because they have so much more <laughs> than what I, I could possibly have. In terms of relationship with one another, in terms of relationship with God, you walk into a church meeting and you say, someone stands up and says, let's pray, and the power of God just falls. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I'm like, I, okay, I'm, I'm in poverty. Uh, I'm in spiritual poverty. You've got way more than me. Um, it was a very similar situation that happened with a young man I was discipling from Greece. I took him on a, a mission trip to Zimbabwe. Uh, and we were in this area called Binga. And um, if you know anything about the Greek people, well, let me just fast forward to the debrief. We, we're sitting at Victoria Falls, and uh, everyone's crying because we're remembering the miracles, what God's done over the previous two weeks. And I turn to Elias, and I say, Elias, what are you feeling? And he looks at me with tears rolling down his cheeks. And he says in a thick Greek accent, which I will not try to imitate, he says to me, I came with you thinking that I was going to help these people and teach them things that they did not know. But they have taught me far more. We are rich. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life. Command those who are rich. This is us. This is how we, th this is for us. Do not put your hope in wealth. Good deeds, be rich in good deeds. How can I be rich in good deeds? Well, here's a simple thing. Practice doing something for someone without getting any thanks. Go to the supermarket. If you are at the till, um, just as the person's about to leave, just pay for their groceries. They don't know who you are. Used to be able to do that in coffee shops. I used to love doing that, but now you can't because coffee shops here, you've got to order and then pay. <laughs> or pay as, and before you get your, your order. Um, but, but find ways of doing, I'm going to use the word, irrational acts of kindness. Where, where people aren't going to find out who it was who did it. Am I accumulating on earth what I cannot keep? Or am I investing in heaven 
which I cannot lose. You see, it is so much better to have less of what does not matter and more of what does matter. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. Am I in this journey, on this journey, am I accumulating stuff which I'm not going to be able to keep? Or am I investing in something which I cannot lose? Heaven. So better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and a chasing after wind. You see, if I've, if I've got something in one hand that leaves the other hand free to be able to do other things. Because now I've got one hand that I can reach out and help someone with. Now I've got another hand, I've got a hand that I can, I can give with. That I can put an arm around someone and encourage them. Why? Because I'm not bowed down or weighed down with my own stuff. And I can lift this hand to praise God. <laughs> Don't let stuff keep you from living the best life this Christmas. It's not about stuff. Oh, but I have to buy a present. Have you thought about buying an experience instead of a an object? Experiences are remembered. So where does that leave us? Jesus we are we are open books before you god you know the times that we have we've given in to that temptation of just trying to fill the emptiness with stuff where retail therapy has seemed more appropriate than spending time in prayer. And Father, at, at this time of year when, when everything in society is pushing us towards this commercial thrust to spend money and accumulate stuff. Father, may we as your children stand firm, valuing that which is truly important. Help us, Jesus. This goes against the tide of society. But we pray that we would be we would be those who, who carry the truth of the incarnation in, in our very lives. 
May we live lives that honor you. In Jesus' name. And, and may, this, may this lifestyle reflect positively on those around us, God, we pray. In Jesus' name, we commit ourselves to you now. Amen. Amen.